the beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Son of podcast about you. Hey there, Dunkadoons. Uh, it's Molly here from Sand, a podcast about Dune. I'm here with my co-host Lance. Um, Dunkadoons is Dunkaroos. Ah, okay. I was gonna ask <laughs> what that was because I think you did Dunkin' Donuts. I know. I was like, don't say Dunkin' Dunes. It's Dunk Dunkadroons, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Dunkaroos. Um, Those are like a, a, a kid snack from like the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Oh, yeah. It was like my prime snack time. Yeah, I never had them. I don't know what they're... Oh, are they just wow. like donuts you dunk in chocolate? No. Or <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, my God. They're so good. I, although they've tried to remake them now, and maybe I just have an adult palate, so I don't think they're good. But that's probably um, it, right? <laughs> no, but the cookie, the like thing that you dip into the icing, so they're like little packs. Like, do you know those cheese stick? Yeah, packs? I know what you're talking about. I now, I now I totally do remember the commercial for these. Oh yeah, yeah. It was also like, what were those things called? The bears, like the dazzle bears or something. Oh, not Teddy Grahams. Not Teddy Grahams. They were like Dazzle Bears. Um, I don't know anything about Dazzle Bears. <laughs> I don't think I'm saying. I don't think that's. Yeah, they had like uh, icing on the back. Everything was icinged. But these were really good. They was like graham cracker, like hardcore graham cracker cookies and icing, like Funfetti icing. That sounds and good. And they were kangaroo shaped. Um, but yeah, the. I try. I saw them at the grocery store a couple months ago, and I was like, ah, Dunkaroos, nice. Uh, but they were disgusting. <laughs> well, that anyway, sucks. These, yeah, these are my, these are our Dunkin' Dunes for today. <laughs> yeah. Dunkin' Dunes for today. How's it going? It's going all right. How's it going with you? A okay. I voted today. So. Nice. How long did you wait in line? Mm, like an hour and a half. Yeah, I'm waiting a couple days because I don't want to wait in line that long. Yeah, I almost didn't go today because I was getting superstitious about the thirteenth. <laughs> oh. Ooh, that makes sense. But I've decided to not put a lot of weight into superstitions that I don't personally understand. I was like, you know what? Science will win and reason. Right. Right. For and this not decision. And not a man in a hockey mask. <laughs> Is that what it's from? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's Oh, Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Friday. <laughs> What's his name? Jason? Mr. Friday. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Friday. Mr. Friday with the big knife. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, you we want to hop into movie talk? Let's do it. Nice. I think, should I read my list first? Yeah, sure. Okay. I watched The Invisible Man, the 1940s version, mm. uh, Phantom of the Opera, also the 40s version, From Beyond, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, Candyman, <laughs> Dracula AD 1972, Tenebrae, <laughs> Annabelle Comes Home, The Innocents, and then we started watching The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. Sweet. Nice. Spooky town. Yeah, it's October. I, I get this like need to watch 31 horror movies in October. Lance, I'll cut this out, but that is exactly what my friend at Book People, who you guys just do the same <laughs> things all the time. I'm not always trying to bring this up, but, but that's that's a thing that people like movies uh, do. Mo- movie that's, people yeah, do. Yeah, it's a movie yes, thing. Yes, fine, fine. You guys just like movies. That's just it. That's your commonality. Cool. So, which one are you going to talk about? I will talk about. Well, I love. I hadn't seen The Innocence in a really long time. The Innocence is another thing, kind of like how uh, I was talking about uh, the last time we talked. I was talking about Rebecca about how it just wasn't available anywhere. You can't stream it anywhere, rent it anywhere. So I hadn't seen it for like 20 years. 
so I just went ahead and bought the Criterion. I think Criterion is doing this on purpose. They like buy exclusive rights to movies, put them only on Smart. Blu-ray, and then the only way you can watch it is to buy a $35 Blu-ray. <laughs> But I watched that. It's an antiquated technology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched that, and it's really good. I had forgotten how it ends, mm. so it was like kept me on my toes. Man, it's kind of hard to say. It's I will just say it's it's ahead of its time. I don't want to like give away the thing that would spoil the movie, but it's it's Aww. it's pretty ahead of its time in that it's like for a movie made in 1961. That's a horror movie. It's very, it's very clever, and it was uh, co-written by the screen. Well, it was based on a, a, oh God, what's his name? Oh yeah, it's based on a story by Henry James, mm. uh, The Turn of the Screw. Ah yes, yes. Uh, which this, uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor, is also based on the works of Henry James. But the screenplay was uh, co-written by Truman Capote. And I think oh, that's, shit. yeah, so it, it just, like, has a very interesting feel cool. to it. Cool. I want to watch it. Yeah. Deborah Kerr, she's great in it. It's real creepy. It's got creepy kids. Nice. Yeah. Wait, so what, is it in a mansion? Yeah, like, it, yes. Like, haunted house? Yes, yes. Movie? Mansion. Okay. So this, this woman uh, gets hired by this rich man who yes. just tells her that he was put in charge of his niece and nephew whose parents passed away. He, he's, like, a, uh, a rich dude that just wants to travel and not be bothered with children, but he does care about them, so he just pays people to take care of them. And he's very forward mm-hmm. about that at the beginning. So she goes to his castle, essentially. I mean, Bly Manor is this gigantic mansion uh, with a gigantic uh, grounds. Um, uh-huh. And she meets these kids and starts to realize they're kind of creepy. They're just kind mm. of, there's something weird about them. And she starts to see people and uh on the ground that don't work there and she's told that their previous the kid's previous caretaker uh died and that she was in love with someone else who died and so she starts to suspect that their ghosts are there and she may die too yes that's also in her mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah um cool that sounds awesome i do i'll have to figure out how to watch it well if you have a Blu-ray player, I've got it. You can borrow it. I might need to borrow <laughs> it. Um, okay. Um, what else? What else should I go over? I guess I'll go over... Oh, man. Dracula AD 1972. Oh, yeah. That sounds wild. <laughs> fucking wild. <laughs> it? Holy shit. So I've seen these... The, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, like, the series of Dracula movies that came out in the 60s and 70s. I'm by... surprised I've never heard like that formation before, like AD 1972. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's really it's funny, good... and it lives up to its name. So there was a series of movies in the 60s and 70s by Hammer Films that were kind of low-budget Dracula movies, and it's got Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, and they all have Christopher Lee as Dracula. Cool. Um, who are really awesome. But they all take place in like Dracula times. Nice. But this one starts with Van Helsing and Dracula in a in a carriage battle and <laughs> Van Helsing kills Dracula and then this guy comes and takes Dracula's ashes and buries it in the ground and then they cut to an airplane flying overhead and it's and this <laughs> disco music kicks in <laughs> and it's cool. the 1970s London and, Groovy, and it's baby. all these it's all these like like hippies like British hippies feels very Austin Powersy Wait, so it is Austin it Powers. It is very Austin Powersy. Yeah. That's where they got the idea. Yeah. And wow. yeah, so that they run so into fun. this guy whose last name is Al Ucard, who's uh <laughs> just there <laughs> to bring Dracula back to life. It's great. It really is. Oh like it's God. a blast. And it's on it's on Criterion Channel. <laughs> God, I fucking love that channel. They have the best movies. Okay, that sounds so it's good. It's real fun. <laughs> Well, I'm going to watch that too. Um, okay, so hmm, I wrote down Let's Scare Jessica to Death and From the Beyond. I don't know anything about either one. Which one's scarier? Which one's scarier? From Beyond is scarier. It's more ridiculous and it's got like, it's got actual monsters and like gore effects. It's from the same guy that did Reanimator, uh, Stuart Gordon. And uh, it has the same guy from Reanimator in it, Jeffrey Combs. And uh, it's about this 
scientists, these two scientists were experimenting with this machine that brings you to some alternate realm. And when you're in the presence of this machine while it's running, you can see these creatures that are just always around us. But when you're in that realm, those creatures can then like interact with you. And they kind of, it also kind of drives you mad. Kind of like they live. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, a bit nothing, similar yeah. in a way, in that you like you get to see like this different version of reality. Exactly. So one of the scientists gets sucked into this world, and the other scientist kind of destroys the machine and goes crazy, and they put him in an institution. And then this woman kind of <laughs> finds him and wants to learn more, so she makes him <laughs> reconnect the machine. <laughs> <laughs> Women. <laughs> uh, the machine also makes you super horny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there's just like lots of like monster effects and gore effects. And it's all practical stuff. It's from the 80s. And that's, it's real gross and just like real insane. It's based on Lovecraft. So it's like, yeah, lots of, cool, lots of monsters and shitty dudes. Is it a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I would give it a thumbs up. It's a, fu- it's a fun movie. Yeah. All right. Those all sound great. Okay. I watched, I'd say, more basic movies. Not that I will compare <laughs> okay but that's fine um i watched black christmas as above so below class action park um the scooby-doo movie <laughs> from 2000 <laughs> um <laughs> a few episodes of the vow and host i guess i'll talk about uh well class action park you know it's documentary have you heard of it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it was it was pretty good. I mean, you know, it's an interesting story, like that this theme park was made by like an <laughs> a guy who got chased out of Wall Street for being too corrupt and just like was a major, you know, big, big, com- big uh, personality kind of guy, uh, always wanted babes and champagne bottles busting everywhere. And so he made this like lawless uh, water park, which did seem pretty fun. But then so as much fun as like hearing about all these Buckwild rides was like, it takes such a sad turn when you start hearing from the families who have died, like have loved ones who died mm-hmm. and like, they're still so mad about it that it was like, I don't, this does not <laughs> balance out. <laughs> so I was like, I was pretty much enjoying it. And then I knew that that was coming at some point. And then when it came, I was like, oh, I, this was no fun. <laughs> this lines up with a lot of the complaints I read about that. Really? That movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, whatever. I do wish that there were like, well, actually, Schlitterbahn, I think, has like the right amount of danger to their slot. Like some of it still feels pretty unregulated. So I'd say, you know. That's fine. Get your rocks off at Schlitterbahn. <laughs> but you're talking. You're not talking about the Schlitterbahn where the kid lost his head. No, you're no, 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 about- no, no. Just re- old-fashioned Schlitterbahn, the oldest yeah. park where it's still like the river run, not right. the one where the kid lost his head. That one I don't endorse. <laughs> <laughs> that one I say, don't get your rocks off. Um, okay, God, I don't know. I guess. Well, okay, I'll talk about Black Christmas, even though this is the one that I haven't finished yet because I was watching it today. But I really like it so far. It has the woman from Sisters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vibe is uh, is on it. All the characters are really funny. It's like set in the 70s in a sorority and like near Christmas. And they're having this fun, you know, boozy Christmas party with all the sorority girls and their boyfriends and their like house mother who um, is a secret alcoholic. But she's hilarious. She's really cool. And they keep getting these calls from this pervert who is just like, he's like muttering like really fast to them about like how hard he's like slapping his meat. (laughs) I think it's like gross. Um, And they're always just like, stop calling us. Uh, And then, yeah, so it kind of turns into a slasher movie. But it's fun. I mean, it's fun since I feel like I have been like going backwards on slasher movies, like starting with kind of the stupidest ones. And so it's nice to go back in the seventies when they were still doing like character development, or maybe it's just this particular mm-hmm. movie, but they were, uh, it feels uh, much more like a unique story than like most slasher movies. So I'm really enjoying it. Cool. I actually, that's on my list of things to watch. I just haven't got to it yet. Cause it's like, it's seen as like 
the original slasher, like mm-hmm. the movie that kind of started slashers as we know them. Um, I'm also in favor of calling Margot Kidder the lady from Sisters. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like, where did I see her? <laughs> it was bugging me so much. I thought it. I thought it was um, that actress Emily Mortimer. I, oh. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, she is not not aged a day. They look, <laughs> but they do look so similar. And so finally, but I was like, I know I've seen this woman. Like, this is bugging the shit out of me. So that's her. So, and so you've never seen the Christopher Reeve Superman movies? No. <laughs> okay. She's Lois Lane in those movies. That's like uh, how that's I know a, her. Yeah, that's a bigger role. <laughs> yeah. I love her and sisters. Yeah. So uh, will you tell me about As Above, So Below? Um. Yeah. So that one was, at first I really liked it because it was like, national treasure it was like haunted national treasure that's the catacombs one right yeah it's catacombs um it's like some you know like it's this anthropology woman who her or archaeologist she's an archaeologist and her dad was like obsessed with nicholas flamel and finding uh the philosopher's stone and so she's obsessed and she like you know will do anything to find it and she doesn't hold back um and then like as they go in they uh so i thought at first it was really funny because i felt like the whoever wrote it was just like making fun of these archaeologist stereotypes mm-hmm. of like oh like we've got to find the eagle and um underneath and like they're just like in real time solving riddles and stuff um because they were i think actually it was just a harsh critique of that <laughs> Um, okay. I mean, at least that's how I saw it because I, I really hated them. <laughs> I was like not rooting for them at all. Yeah. So anyway, they just go on this hunt to find the Philosopher's Stone and uh, they accidentally enter hell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That movie came recommended to me uh, a few years ago and I I rented it and watched it and I was into it for the first maybe 15 minutes and then mm-hmm. I just hated the characters so much mm-hmm. and just I, I, I found it so boring. I just like lost interest completely. I did too. I kept like after there was one scene where I was like, like I, I got too claustrophobic to watch it and kind of mm-hmm. dipped away. But then after that, I was just like, oh, God, like, really? Oh, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like all the deaths were really stupid. And uh Oh, sorry, the death, whatever. Yeah, and I mean, it does like, it does all the wrong things now where people have called out all the bad tropes for horror mm-hmm. movies and it's, right. it kind of just falls right into that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. It's also just like, I, I remember the effects being very CG heavy and like not, not very impressive at all. <laughs> well, it also made out hell to be like a haunted house, basically, mm-hmm. where like they're like clutching to clutching each other, and then they turn around. There's like this guy sitting in a chair, and he like, <laughs> you know, he's like in a cloak or whatever, and he accident he gets up and then chases them for a little bit. It's like mm-hmm. this is hell, really. <laughs> Let's see what's in the next scary room. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, bones. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I did like I what because at first the first scene where she's going to find that rose stone or whatever in Iran was was pretty intense and cool and like filmed interestingly. Like it was really shaky. There's like this big explosion because they're going to explode this uh, underground mine or something. I don't know. Anyway. I, it really has left my memory. I just remember coming out of it being like, well, that sucked. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I love that. I do like the, like, riddle hunting stuff, but meh. It was dumb. Well, yes, I remember just being disappointed. Um, well, cool. Should we get into some Dune talk? Yes, definitely. To open, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, my growing... Well, I read an interesting article on Al Jazeera about like the, you know, why it matters that he's changing jihad to crusade in the movie. Okay. Um, And just, I don't know, I feel like with these chapters too, I was like, I really hope he doesn't just divorce all Middle Eastern influence from it. Because like Dune is like, there's so much like in the language and the setting, Mm -hmm. like in everything about it that 
and like in the nuance of all these concepts like so much of them are steeped in like islamic thought that it's like i don't know i'm getting aggravated thinking that he might just kind of go full action movie on us and i don't know so i recommend this article it's just by this guy named Ali Karju Ravari, and it's on Al Jazeera. It's in Dune, Paul Atreides led a jihad, not a crusade. Pretty simple. Yeah, I don't know. I'll check that out. Yeah. Well, I also had a friend kind of point out that, well, she said that she has like a bit of a, a bias against French people because she, she's a Middle Eastern history like mm-hmm. student and teacher. And she suspects that he just is sort of like phobic of that whole culture coming from France. So I don't know. Now I'm like, oh, no, is he just like absolute, like, you know, almost to a problematic degree going to. Yeah. Well, I mean, Denis Villeneuve is Canadian. Oh, he's Canadian. He All right. French. Well, hey, you know what? That's fine. Then <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Okay, sorry to have slandered him. No, no, it's okay. You can slander away. I like I you know, obviously that it's an it's an important thing like, yeah. you know, that we're figuring out and who and who knows what it will be like. And one thing we forgot to mention in our last episode, which is very much mm. old news by the time this comes out is that Dune has now been pushed back another year. So right. we're not getting it this Christmas. If so. ever, no, we'll get it. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it eventually. We'll get it, we'll get it. It's done. It's a done movie. It's just yeah. they're not they're they're not gonna pull a Disney and and release it on VOD. That's fine. Don't do it. Yet. Yeah. No, I want to see it on a big screen. Oh I just, hell yeah! I hate. I could set up year. a sheet in the middle of a, you know, in the middle of a bro- broken alley, a dead end alley. <laughs> Broken alley. <laughs> no, like, uh, broken alley. You know. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Broken what? alley. Yeah, broken alley. Where yeah, the- I think that's a term, right? Is broken alley a term? It feels wrong. <laughs> I think it's a Green Day song. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh that is big news, but I don't know. I'm not surprised, I guess. Yeah, disappointed but not surprised. Yeah, and everybody uh, also is like freaking out cuz now it's seeming more and more possible that theaters could just all collapse. Cool. Well, right. we well. we looked at uh, chapters eight through eleven mm-hmm. in the book, and I guess let's just dive in. Hell yeah! <laughs> dive into uh, Aaliyah's awakening. Uh-huh. <laughs> Aaliyah is getting kind of frustrated. She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, no, she thinks she's... she needs to take out a bunch of extra yes. energy. <laughs> she's 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 walking around, getting mad, missing Arrakis the way it was. She doesn't really mm-hmm. understand what this frustration's all about, so she decides to take a bath, and a hot, a warm, hot, warm bath. bath. <laughs> and while she's in the bath, she just starts thinking of hate slash Duncan Idaho, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then she's like, I don't know what this is all about, and gets out of the bathtub, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like fully stark naked. Yeah. And yeah, completely naked, goes and starts draining. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. It's like, yes, girl. It's cool. Yeah, she was fully at at, at a 10. Oh, yeah. So she, she, yeah, so she starts training and she does like better, you know, she's like so focused on this. And the whole thing is like one long euphemism. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's just she's because she just goes harder and harder. Uh-huh. She goes harder and harder. The thing gets like smaller and smaller, but like she needs to get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like it gets faster and faster. Yeah. It's like all there. And then her brother um, comes in and ruins everything. Her brother comes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's like has his arms crossed and he's like tapping his foot. Well, he throws a knife to shut the machine off. <laughs> Such an asshole. Yeah. yeah. And then he talks about how she, that was too dangerous, that she shouldn't. I don't understand why it was dangerous. Well, so it sounds like that this training thing can hurt you. It can actually cut you or yeah. or kill you. Uh, even Aliyah is even like, well, why, does, why do these go up that high if you're not supposed to do it? Which Paul <laughs> has no answer for. And she's like, "Well, no, could you get up that he high?" Quite get, Paul doesn't quite get that. Yeah. 
I don't think. Paul starts noticing her, his sister's naked body, which is yeah. I know that they're he, like, I guess setting setting, up, setting us up the possible, Aaliyah Paul, having a, a kid together, but yeah. Enter the like, yeah, music, and it's like the flush of her exertions coloring her skin, the wet fullness of her lips. Ugh. There was a disquieting femaleness about her he had never considered in a sister. (laughs) So, yeah, he's a 37-year-old brother, super into his 15-year-old sister. I guess she's 27, right? Well, no, he'd be be 28 now. So 12 years. Yeah, he'd be like 28. Because how many years passed by in Dune before Mm -hmm. Ali is born? Oh, that's right. I mean, it feels like it's, I thought it was like three years in June. Yeah. So he's probably 30. Man, like once you hit 30, your creep, your creep factor really needs to be checked. Like, well, actually 27 is is hard too. Um, Well, especially with a 15 year old girl. (laughs) Important. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So uh, she, yeah, (laughs) he definitely hardcore, like, Fully springs a boner. Well, not even. He's just like, wow, she's uh, sexually pert right now. I'm sorry. That's a gross. Sexually pert. Is that what you said? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, He starts getting mad at her, telling her that that's dangerous. Uh, Mm -hmm. And she's kind of like, well, have you ever been able to make it that far through this training? And he was like, well, I stopped at 12 because I didn't think I really needed it. There was no point in going past that. They had this, like, weird <laughs> bragging fight. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I didn't, you know, uh, logically I was using my Mintap brain and I didn't see the point. Yeah. There was no point. <laughs> so I don't do, I don't spend my energy on things without a point. Right. Uh, Aaliyah. Yeah. I think he also says Gurney stops him. Yes. You know, yeah. That's, I think that is what he said, that Gurney stopped him yeah. from, from- and then he it. says, my, my punishment was sufficiently embarrassing that I won't tell you what he did. Which, uh, speaking of embarrassing, she's still naked, Paul. Like, that's just like... I know. That's embarrassing. <laughs> that was my favorite thing, though, when Alia was like, she wanted to cover up. And then she was like, oh, well, when, he's already seen it. So, like, yeah. who cares right. at this point? It was chill as hell. She's standing there. Having just done this incredible feat, just, like, naked and, like, unafraid. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And then Stilgar says in front of her that she needs a mate, like like she's a dog in the heat. He's like, oh, this this one needs to be mated yeah. and put away. <laughs> yeah. He says, yeah, like a dog. Yeah. She's a dog in heat and needs to mate. Yes. Or she'll just be spewing out babies or yeah. something. And Paul just like yeah. kind of agrees and says it's complicated. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's not the best. And then she kind of like mocks him, which is good. Mm-hmm. Although all she can come up with is advice to maidens from Stilgar the Fremen. <laughs> <laughs> do you think she meant that because the Fremen are kind of like chauvinists? I do. I think she, yeah, because, well, maybe just purely the, like, multi-mate situation. Oh, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, because they can, they, they have many mates. Mm-hmm. And it is chauvinist. I mean, yeah, I, clearly, like, you win your wife. Right. By killing a man, so. <laughs> he blurted. <laughs> <laughs> they start talking just politics, kind of. Paul mentions <laughs> that the. Classic male, yeah. like, awkward relative move to be like, Oh, this woman is going through something yeah. I don't totally. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. We'll just like yeah. move it to politics. Might as well talk about sports. <laughs> yeah. Might as well <laughs> but yeah, he, he mentions that the guild wants to capture a worm and make spice on a different mm-hmm. planet. Yeah. It's like, why didn't they just think of that? Bef- that seems like a pretty crass, but also like, hey, yeah, start with that. Well, I think they point out, they point out that that, that is obvious and that it, this means that they have Fremen helping them and that they finally mm-hmm. found the planet where they think they can do it. So, like, right. it's all that they That's haven't right. thought about it before. It's that, okay, now's the time they can actually do it. And then it becomes clear that Paul didn't know that they had found a planet. Oh, right, because I think Stilgar is the one that kind of points it out to him. 
Yeah, and he's like, wait, why? He's again trying to get up Paul's power. <laughs> what does it say? Because Aaliyah says it means only that they've clouded its location with steersmen the way they hide their sanctuaries. Right. That's right. That's right. And that's where mm-hmm. that's when Stilgar finds out that the steersmen cloud Paul's abilities. And that's where he kind of freaks out. He's having a freak yeah. out. A big crisis of faith, as he should. <laughs> and then Aaliyah tries to kind of like ease him by bragging. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> Stilgar, you stand in a valley between dunes. I can see on the crest. I see where you do not see. And among other things, I see mountains which conceal the distances. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I can see more than you. I don't know why you're freaking out. I can see more than you. Right. Yeah, even though she doesn't say anything here. What, what do you mean? I see where, oh, she's saying you're down in the valley. Mm. I'm on top of the, the, and I see all this stuff because I have a better vantage point. Right. Yeah. And then he's like, there are things hidden from you. You always said that. And then she's like, right. all power is limited. He says, and danger may come from behind the mountains. And then he closes with... But whatever yeah. comes from behind the mountains must cross the dunes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is his way of being like, you're right. You're going to be able to see this. And they have to go across the dunes. And like, that's when we'll fight. That's where your, where your power is going to come yeah. in. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, it still doesn't kind of work like that. Sorry, Stilgar. Right. Stilgar, who still continues to not understand Paul's power (laughs) and just thinks he's magic, which pisses both Mm -hmm. Aaliyah and Paul off. They're they're just (laughs) both like, ugh, I'm not a fucking wizard. I've been trying to tell you 12 years trying to tell you I'm not a wizard. wizard. He's like, just do a little trick. (laughs) Just do a little trick. Shoot lightning (laughs) at them or something. (laughs) Come on. Go destroy their planet. Like, find the planet and destroy it with your brain. Can you just, like, blink and their planet blows up? <laughs> Which is what it seems like later, but we'll get to right, that. Right, Um, This is the opening paragraph here is is cool just because it's from something that says the orgy is a tool of statecraft. <laughs> yeah, I read this whole intro, and then when I saw it was the orgy <laughs> as a tool of statecraft, I was like, okay, I have to go back and read this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still don't totally get what it was like saying, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how that's related to the orgy as a tool Orgies. of statecraft. Yeah, I guess it's just that. Okay, our goal is not to rule, but to tap these gene pools. I mean, tap. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> I mean, tapping gene pools that just means a bunch of people fucking, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is a very interesting encounter between Edric and Paul. Yeah. Where Paul gets fucking owned. <laughs> oh yeah, feels Edric yeah. the Boar, who everybody hated in the like the villain's yeah. tower. Fucking schools Paul to hell throughout this. He freaking sweeps the floor. Yeah, with him. and then so yeah, he he just immediately starts picking on Paul. He's like, "Is that where your dad died?" <laughs> like, <laughs> right out the yeah. gate. He's like, "Oh, that skull. Is that where your dad died?" Uh, Is that where your dad died? <laughs> That's such a bully thing to do, to be like, who are you going to cry about? Your dad's dead. Oh, your dad's dead. He was murdered. <laughs> you couldn't save him. <laughs> yeah, he just starts rubbing Paul's nose into everything, just being very blunt, just calling Paul yeah. out as, as a godhead, as a figurehead. Uh, uh, as a total fraud. Yeah, exactly as a total Shuck fraud. Star. Yeah. Yeah. And he has an answer for everything Paul retorts with. And Paul knows it. Like, Paul, yeah. know, he's like, he's right. He's nailed me here. Uh, and Stilgar the whole time is just steaming. He wants to kill Edric so bad. <laughs> I know. I imagine him with just, like, tears in his eyes. Just, like, you know, wanting to punch him. And <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. And Paul is a little a little worried. Because he is, like, get, trying to make sure that, like, yeah. Stilgar's in between him and the other guards. He starts to realize that his own guards could possibly turn on him. He realizes that Edric's doing this to, like to tell Stilgar and to tell his guards and like to yeah, try to dismantle them. Yeah, this whole thing has been, a sto- like a, has been a setup yeah. to see doubt in his like inner rank. Yeah. And he did it. Yeah, totally. Very quickly yeah. and easily. I, I don't know. Paul is being so self-destructive right now. But yeah, so yeah, they, they start talking <laughs> about Baron Harkonnen first. It's like Edric is just like, 
dipping back. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard something about that. Some Baron. Like, it's like Paul's, like, most prized story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And Edric's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. It's like a ba- some kind of Baron. Like, he just died of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Paul's just putting the skull back in its place. Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine Edric just, like, messing around with it. <laughs> it's weird because Edric, it seems, is really scared to be doing this like he like he's been planning for this for a long time he knows what he's doing he's really smart about it he does it well Mm -hmm. but he it says immediately he has this nervous energy and he's like avoiding eye contact and kind of flopping around in his tank and sightail's there yes sightail's there again with his like stupid face (laughs) yeah (laughs) which he's chosen on purpose to be stupid Mm -hmm. sightail and edric are leaving and sightail walks up to him and talks about that people cling to imperial leadership because space is infinite. They feel lonely yeah. without a unifying symbol. They, he, he just like kind of says this weird thing to him. And then after they leave, Stilgar and Paul are just like, what the fuck was that? Okay. I mean, he just sort of sums up what Edric had been implying the whole time that like, you know, Paul had a ton of blind followers and that, it's easy to manipulate people on a religious level um, for power and it's cynical. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, he just, so like they've been kind of talking about that and I feel like Sidetail just comes in with like the hammer to just be like, here's my point. But I don't, I don't feel like he's doing it maliciously because I feel like he's just saying, I, I get it. Like I get why people would flock to you and follow you almost suggesting that it's not necessarily Paul's fault. And he even calls him my lord at the end. like, And it seems like he's just doing it very calmly. He asks permission to talk to him. And he says he, yeah. he nods pleasantly. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. It doesn't feel as malicious as what Edric was doing. What are you? Are you serious? So, so malicious. He's so malicious. He's like the slimiest guy. Even though okay. uh, throughout this, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, Paul, I... You know, he's not wrong. Okay, so I, I, I'm using the wrong word. Malicious, yes, because he does have malicious intent. Yeah. Aggressive. He doesn't seem like he's coming at Paul aggressively. I don't think Paul realizes he's being malicious at this point. I think he I think Sy- he knows Sightail is extremely dangerous. Yeah, but he knows everybody that's dangerous. He knows they're dangerous because he has prescient abilities. When you get to, I don't know, like I feel like this power talk... Saitel does, I don't know, I, I definitely got the sense that this was like the most aggressive move so far. And that Paul felt totally, totally like, yeah, just that, that like, that Saitel sees his big, you know, sees his weakness as a leader and is ready to expose him. Yeah, I don't know. And then, oh, I guess my point with that was odd was that, it rhymes with frog. That's what Stilgar <laughs> no. says. <laughs> no. Yes. No, 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 yes. no. I don't Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. Stilgar was thinking fraud, fraud. And he said, that was odd. <laughs> he wanted to say, fra- you're a fraud. You're a fraud, Paul. <laughs> he wanted to. Odd, he says again. A vein throbbed at his temple. They were like, that means Sightail did it. I think it's more, so this is how I see it. I think Edric is the puppet in this situation. Sightail is is, yeah, totally. is the one that's controlling this. But Sightail walks out with a calm statement that, yes, his intent was there because he sent Edric, he brought Edric here. And he was even there to make sure Edric did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. But he gives this like kind of like, Oh well, maybe this is why the people you know follow you the way they do, and then he and then he walks out real calmly, and they're like, "That that guy's weird." And Paul like doesn't realize he's a face dancer, but he kind of starts to pick up on the fact that he's a face dancer because he says uh-huh. that his whatever genetic code seemed to be moving under his face as he was talking. But I I see it as like kind of like a him kind of like doing a bow without doing a bow, but he's doing it politely. But no, but that's like court manners, like of a power grab where they all do it with bows, but it's like they're telling them exactly the betrayal they're about to do. This is like Shakespearean, I guess, you know, they're like saying it with all the polite mannerisms of how you talk to somebody in power, but you know, you're making your intent very clear. 
still. Yeah, somehow. I just don't think Saitail's making his his intent clear. Well, oh my goodness. I think he I think Saitail is being a a bit off and they're like that Saitail guy is weird, but I think he he just planted the seed in Stilgar's mind that Paul is fraudulent well, and I will is, say yeah. yes, I do think that. I think that he is planting that seed into Stilgar's mind, but I don't think that's an aggressive move from the point Why of view don't of you think this I don't is... think Paul, I don't think Paul and Stilgar see this as an aggressive move. I think they're just like that guy just said something really weird, but they're mostly focused on Edric who was being super aggressive. I think Saitel was being this creep that that is a puppet master, but he's like kind of like giving giving a little nod at the end, but he's not showing his hand. He's not cuz he doesn't want Paul and Stilgar to be like that guy was in charge of things. He's the one behind this all he wants to know that he caused this but he doesn't want them to know he caused this well okay so yeah maybe they still haven't totally realized that Saitel's behind it sure but I do think he said the thing that like just tied it all together and made it a thing now between Paul and Stilgar because like right after that uh, Stilgar, you know says that was a f- foolish thing inviting the creature into these chambers I think that, yeah. But the creature he was talking about was Edric. Well, I know that. I know that. I'm just saying, like, why why even include Sightail's little thing here if it's not the most aggressive thing of the whole chapter? I don't understand why you're (laughs) fighting that. (laughs) I'm not. I think we're fighting different things. What I'm saying is I I agree that that thing he's saying is very important. And it is, is like, maybe a nail in the coffin. Because, it, yeah, coffin. because it is what's going to lead eventually, I'm assuming, uh, Stilgar <laughs> to question Paul more or to anybody that was yeah. there to question Paul more. Sure. Yeah. But I don't think that he was being clear that he had that intent. I think he was just trying to say that in a way that makes people question that without revealing that he's oh. he's really behind this questioning. Well, it's the Benny Jesuit yes. way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Okay. I agree. <laughs> I do agree okay. with that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I did like it when he calls them Usul. Uh-huh. And Paul's like, oh, he's trying to daddy me right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and he does. Yeah. I wish we had seen Stilgar daddy Paul more. And Paul wanted Stilgar to, sorry, I'll stop saying daddy him. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's always wanted that. Yeah. And then Corba comes in and he has. Poor Corba. <laughs> Even though yeah. I'm sure he's killed billions. <laughs> yeah, Corba's probably a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does get picked on a lot, but I bet I bet he deserves it. Definitely. He he comes in with these history books essentially about yeah. the golden age of Earth that Paul wants Stilgar to study. Yeah. Specifically the Emperor Hitler, which I thought yes. was too silly. <laughs> it was too silly. <laughs> It really was. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's like a joke from a time travel comedy. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. where the person for the future doesn't quite understand the past. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, this t- this man has a funny mustache. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He looks at Genghis Khan and King Hitler. Uh-huh. Um, and says, oh, but they've only killed millions. Because Stilgar later says, killed by his legions, not very... Impressive statistics, my lord. And then, yeah, he says he's killed 61 billion. Right. Which is a jaw drop. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, what is also you say? Oh, sterilized 90 planets. Mm-hmm. Completely demoralized 500. <laughs> God. And, and he just wants, he wants Stilgar to study this so he can, I guess, realize how fucked up the things he's done is and how they have consequences yeah but i feel like if stilgar doesn't get it he's not gonna get it reading about hitler and genghis khan <laughs> yeah like what is he's gonna what is he gonna watch that's gonna like make his heartstring pull right like schindler's list or something <laughs> right which i mean maybe <laughs> now the power of the movie but stilgar is also like really pissed that paul is making him sit down to watch this boring movie right 
because he studied he's he what did he study he studied something memorized some some kind of statistics to oh deliver. zabulon computations yeah zabulon computations <laughs> and he's like what am i gonna give those and paul's like it can wait. he tries to start giving yeah. them he's <laughs> he's like the food requirements weaponry uniform <laughs> yeah yeah so he already had to study all this stuff. Now he has him coming, you know, coming in. He has to study something else. Yeah. And then this was silly, though, it was like, yeah. uh, like, I guess we were supposed to, you know, think, oh, Paul is a Hitler. I think th- I think so. And and honestly, I I think that works. Like, I think, he you know, associating yeah. him with mm-hmm. Hitler is like, you know, it works and like makes us at least realize that the book realizes that he's not this great person. <laughs> I mean, that makes it pretty clear. Yeah. Oh, because he said he goes full supervillain when he goes uh, into the darkness, Paul said. We'll be a hundred generations recovering from Muad'Dib's jihad. I find it hard to imagine that anyone will ever surpass this. <laughs> and then he says a barking laugh erupted from his throat. He says, I am not amused. I merely had a sudden vision of the Emperor Hitler saying something similar. No doubt yeah. he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Paul also realizes what a horrible thing he's done. And that's the whole point is that he wants Stilgar to realize that this isn't great, that he's not a great man. And that, you know, there are consequences for this, that this is just the path they took. Well, and I mean, we're still kind of thinking that he did this to avoid, to keep people on the golden path, right. Or the Mm -hmm. universe on the golden path. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I need, I need some reminders from them about the golden path. (laughs) And then we're we find out that there's some Sardaukar that that are in the yeah. in the party and they're milling about. Yeah, exactly. And then Paul tells Corba that he has to go and kill the Sardaukar. <laughs> Me, Sayo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Corba, yeah, has to do all the grunt work. Yeah, Corba's just getting shit on left and right in this <laughs> yeah. book. Yes. Yeah, when Paul says, Corba, I think you may be my finest creation. And he says, Sire! <laughs> there was injury in Corva's voice. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting hurt right now. Um, I also like the introduction of the word dehydrate as a curse word. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The obscene Furman term. Makes sense. <laughs> and then Stilgar finally gets to, um, well, he'll get to, say his Zabulon computations tomorrow after the party's over. Yeah. I don't really understand what they understand between each other at the end. Right. Right. I also don't understand why Paul sends Korba to get rid of the Sardaukar. Yeah. Or when the party's over still. I under. Oh, okay. Now I get it. It's just he's Stilgar now understands that their empire is crumbling. Is that what he understands? Or that the fun part of ruling is over. (laughs) (laughs) The fun part of ruling is over. He's like, I get it. All right. Next we have Alia. Oh, my God. This is like a Hallmark movie. Oh, okay. Yes. So, wow. Okay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This next, this next chapter. This next. (laughs) I was reading this in line to vote. I was just like, okay, wow. Yeah, so Alia is sent to the desert with hate. Yeah, what would it be called? It'd be called the Gula or the Maiden and the Gula from, I don't know, and the like shirtless Gula or something. So the first half of this is what I would call CSI Arrakis, which (laughs) I would kill to watch this show of of hate and Alia investigating desert murders together. Wow. I would Very love cool. it. It'd be so great. Yes. That's a great idea. <laughs> uh, as long as... Because that's it. It's yeah. like this dead woman. Um, it's the woman we we probably think is the woman from... Um, yeah, it's Farouk's. almost definitely. Yeah. Although at the end, it kind of makes it seem like she might be... have Like the other woman may have been taken as a ghoul. Like they've face danced her or something. Yeah. Well, I think at the end, what they're saying, what, what, what Hayde is suggesting is that the face dancer turned into her and went around town so that people would think she's still alive. Like made her, made himself present. Oh, like, that makes a lot more sense. So that yeah. this time on CSI. Arrives. <laughs> 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 yeah. But so they're looking around this, this um, Fremen was addicted to Samura. 
her head's been removed. His her hands are are gone. She's mm-hmm. been ripped apart by the sand. Yeah. Yeah, but what it, of course what it gets to is that Aaliyah just has these like crazy strong feelings slash just straight up horniness for hate. <laughs> well, they both do. I would say that yeah. there's a lot of good flirting in this that I enjoyed. I oh, didn't all, you know, yeah. It's very much a Han Solo Princess Leia vibe. Oh, you think? His yeah, his whole like I don't like scoundrels. He's like, you like me because I'm a scoundrel. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Telling her the what's what. He yeah. was kind of giving her a little too much of the what's what. Right, which we'll get yes. to. Yeah, which we'll get to. But <laughs> yeah. there, before that, it was fun. It was like yeah. this, like hate. You know, like well, hate ship courtship, the courtship of hate. Wow, there. That's there there's the your hallmark, hallmark that's, title, yeah. for sure. The courtship <laughs> of hate. There you go. That's what it is. Well, and like, you know, he's calling her on Paul's bullshit and her bullshit mm-hmm. a little bit, which th- some of that was necessary and cool because it was like Aaliyah had been so loyal to Paul. And I think she did want somebody to come in and be like, mm, are y'all OK? You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, also, we learned that the Fremen woman had died from a poison called the throat of hell. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, which is a Talilax poison, and they say something like, oh, but anybody, yeah, hates, like, anybody could get the Talilax poison, so it doesn't mean that it's Talilax, and there's mm-hmm. not enough of this woman t- for the Talilax to bring back, if a Talilax would even bring her back, suggesting that, Tal- that the Talilax have some kind of, like, deal where they're not going to bring back anybody killed with that poison, because they know that it was probably a Talilax that killed them, they want to protect them. Yeah, they're just smart like that. Yeah. <laughs> They're s- smart, evil people. They're really smart, evil people. Yeah. Yeah. I guess everybody's evil in this. It's not. It's not fair to call out that Talilax is especially evil. No, but they're especially evil. I mean, they don't even play at it. Right. That's well, Sightail. Sightail. Sightail doesn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't know any other Talilax, so it's not fair to generalize. So yeah, Aaliyah is <laughs> trying way too hard to hide how into hate she is. Uh huh. She starts asking you questions. Yes. They both like won't answer each other's question. Right. And she gets yeah. she starts getting frustrated. Uh-huh. He's like subtly negging her, making fun. Uh-huh. They fly over Duke Leto's shrine and uh-huh. and he, he starts to cry and he doesn't know why he's crying. He's remembering Leto. He starts to see a, a memory of someone's hand on his arm. Mm-hmm. And Aaliyah's like, Oh, that was my father, right? And he's like, yeah. I don't know I don't know. It's pretty Which is cool. cool. Yeah. Very I like, cool. I, I really like this, like, the, these moments with hate, like, learning about him, learning about who he is and, like, having these, like, emotional memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool. Well, this is a bit of an aside, but I am getting a lot of Blade Runner vibes from him. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is a story that I've always just felt is interesting to me because I do feel like men emotionally respond to it so strongly in a way that I'm curious about. But anyway, you're I talking mean, about the first Blade Runner movie. Mm-hmm. Do you emotionally respond to that movie? Like, do you wonder if you're a cyborg? I guess it's that I feel like men maybe wonder if they're cyborgs. Yeah, I would. I, I get that. I don't emotionally. So I, I emotionally respond to Blade Runner, but not from a like personal. I feel place. like Decker. You know, yeah. I, don't, I, I, I don't think I'm him uh, and I don't feel like I know him or get him or he gets me or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like this like lived in world that I just really like to explore. And yeah. Okay. That's a good. Yeah. Good thing to know. The line that reminded me of it was she saw suddenly how strong must be this need to know who he'd been. It was a central compulsion of him. So, yeah, just that yeah, he like totally. doesn't have a sense of his soul yeah, yeah. but he yeah. cries for it for sure sounds blade runnery uh definitely when, when did the android's dream of electric sheep come out i know i'm curious if because i think this predates it 68 this is like the same year right <gasps> whoa Hold yes on. this came out in 69 he took it from Blade Runner. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He did. It was in the air. It That's might have crazy, been though, because he's definitely a cyborg. Duncan Idaho is, like, cyborg mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
with his metal eyes. I don't know how she can be so attracted to his metal eyes, but whatever. I mean, I guess the way you like put yourself in her shoes is to imagine Jason Momoa with those metal eyes. Pretty easy, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's always got, he's already got a steely look, you know. Like yes, yeah. I feel yeah. Like... Well, okay. Well, I get it. Never mind. <laughs> That's when hate starts getting like brutally honest with mm-hmm. Aaliyah about her and Paul and who they are. And mm-hmm. uh, it pisses her off slash super impresses her because she's like, no one speaks to us like this. Yeah. Getting so f- frustrated. And I mean, she's definitely getting horny too. She was oh. like, she was suddenly angry with him and the reason for it escaped her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She just starts getting real, real, flustered and and she's like yelling at him and he's like let me just land this ship one second and ah, he... <laughs> i don't know it kind of works it works and he lands on the ship mm-hmm. and and that's when he kisses her yeah and the kiss could have been it could have been a little like less of a surprise but it was also fine yeah i mean it was fun and then it, it... <laughs> This is not why I'm dangerous. Right. And then he leans forward and grabs her chin and kisses her. But then it says it's a gentle kiss. Yeah. So I don't know. Kind of has it both ways. Yeah. That's the Han Solo like thing to me. Very like much. The, I'm mm-hmm. a scoundrel. That's why you like me. And then he says, be glad I did not take all that I was offered. Yeah. Which is a little creepy and rapey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. A uh, very creepy. Not the yeah. like, truly the the mon- most manipulative thing you can say. Yeah, rape culture. That's all I said. Yeah, because he had already like throughout this. At first, the negging was fun and kind of cool because it was like, oh, he's really observant. He does kind of he's saying things that I do understand. But once you get that trust, then he can say anything and say like, well, I read that in you too. Mm-hmm. So he can't read. You can't read consent, y'all. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> you got to you got to know for sure. Yeah. And then they then he does say that he wanted the kiss and she's mm-hmm. kind of like, "Oh, you wanted it?" And then he's like, "Yeah, you wanted it too." Mm-hmm. And then she just kind of like to herself like, "Yeah, I wanted that kiss." And yeah, then they just start did. talking about the case again. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and that's what, yeah, that's when he like suggests that Sightail may have turned into that woman. He also tells her to trust her insti- instincts. I like that. Yes, I actually I do think that they have a really good they have really good chemistry and a good back and forth, and I like them as duos on this. Yeah. The end. The last line is very CSI too, where he's like, "There's a young woman dead out there." He said, "Perhaps no young woman is reported missing among the Fremen." Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. A mystery. Okay, so final chapter, Paul's breakdown yet again yeah this is another just moody fit from paul <laughs> i'm not i'm not as into this chapter right because he's just like dreams of a moon falling down i know and i was like okay what why this is the terrible vision yeah. is this the terrible vision i don't that know he's been hinting at for so long now i don't know i don't know but he's just like my empire is crumbling <laughs> Moon, where are you, Moon? <laughs> are you in the conch shell? <laughs> That's right. He looks in the conch shell. <laughs> I hear you not, Moon. Throws it down. Shatters. Yeah. And then he calls in hate. And hate's like, he says something like, you're a Mintat when I want you to be a, a Zinsuni and a Zinsuni mm-hmm. when I want you to be a Mintat. Although he says a very Zensuni thing when he's like, very well, Mintat. Duncan Idaho says, you are drunk on too much time. Mm-hmm. Is that, that a Mintat would never say this. A Mintat, I don't think would say it like that, but I think a Mintat might come to that conclusion. It makes sense that that Paul has uh, absorbed mm-hmm. too much time, right? Like he, if you can see so much time and you've absorbed too much you're just like gonna be locked you're just gonna be locked into all the possibilities and not really understand yeah. it like that's the whole like crux of like what paul was struggling with in that in in the first book right is like mm-hmm. not really uh, able to 
process all the possibilities or understand them necessarily. Yeah, I mean, oh, because Stilgar said something about processing earlier where he was like, you know, he gets overloaded with information and then later he'll know all this stuff that he didn't realize he had learned. Mm -hmm. I just like, you know, I do think he talks about processing in an interesting way. Yeah. He brings up processing. Duncan Idaho also says that he's fixating on his fear and that's why he's seeing these omens right or that he's like pushing against what's going to happen which is his downfall it's either like paul is starting to struggle against the reality that he's facing well basically that he's just like denying the reality that he's facing right well they have so they do have this exchange where paul asks is that how you destroy me prevent me from collecting my thoughts and then mm. he asked, can you collect chaos? Good question. Yeah. I would, that's the poem I'd like back to Paul, because like, when have you ever had collected thoughts? <laughs> right. And, and I think it also kind of like. He means in general of like yeah. consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Also just like the future is chaos. Like hmm. Paul sees it as this planned thing. And that's kind of what's fucking him up is that he, he, totally. he he's, he's seen so many possibilities. He's accepting these, these as like all a truth. Exactly. as truth. And, uh -huh. and I think he's like, kind of like the Jeff Goldblum, you know, <laughs> uh, of, of Paul's Jurassic park. And he's like, you know, <laughs> like chaos, like it's chaos. Like you can't, you, you, you can't predict it. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's going to find a way like, yeah. It's, you're 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 going to have a downfall. You're not going to live forever. You're going to have a downfall. You're uh -huh. you're just you're just locked in this future. Yeah, so he's being he is being very zen um and telling him to come to the present moment and like yeah, exactly, like take in what's actually happening and respond to that instead of being absorbed by everything else. Yeah, that's right cuz he says not collecting, that is the ultimate gathering. What can you gather without gathering yourself? <laughs> And then Paul says, I'm deviled by a vision and you spew nonsense. Paul, <laughs> you need meditation. <laughs> yes. Paul needs meditate. Obviously he does. He does he, so that's the thing. He thinks he meditates, but he does the exact opposite well, of meditation. He leaves the present and he goes yes. into the future. He gets locked in the future and the past. He can't ever come uh, to the present. He's the opposite of meditating. Paul, we re I relate. We hear it. We relate. Okay. <laughs> like, it's a struggle. It's hard to do. But you got to admit it. Yeah. He needs to admit it. Yeah. Listen to hate. Listen to the guy who's supposed to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving some really good advice, like the advice you needed from the beginning. Yeah. My falling moon is real, Paul whispered. <laughs> I know. I know. It moves. It moves. <laughs> it moves. <laughs> yeah. And he does. Yeah. And then Paul. Yeah. Paul's responses every time are just so. <laughs> <laughs> you comfort me with thorns. And he's just saying, like, you're having a reaction. You just, you know, you're you're scared of all of this. That's fine. Things fall out of your head from nowhere. That would be scary. I meant to go back and read this very end because he says, my moon has a name. Paul whispers to himself. He says, so my moon has a name, Paul whispered. <laughs> Sorry. He shrieked with no sound. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Paul, take a bath. <laughs> he's also, yeah, he's reminding me of Hamlet a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess he's, yeah, he's majorly, where he's like, I am not, yet I occurred to be and not to be. In in searching for like, like a Sparks Notes version of this book, which there is none, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I found other people's like interpretations of it. And I, I there's a lot of people just like reading, like just saying this is just full on Shakespeare. Like, yeah. This book specifically. Oh, interesting. Well, I'm really liking it so far. I feel like the plot is so tight and interesting. It's mostly just, yeah, it's so, um, there's so much intrigue and yeah. betrayal and downfalls. I am definitely into it now. I, mm -hmm. I was hesitant at first, but I'm, I'm, I'm into it now. I'm excited to finish it. I mean, we're what, three episodes in and more than halfway through the book? I know. This will be a quick one. Oh, yeah. So Paul lets his vision come after my moon has a name. So maybe he calms down a little bit. And yes, he can have the vision. Well, because he has to trust that first he has to center and be present. And then the right vision will come. You know, mm -hmm. I think that that's probably how it would best work. 
That's how yeah. meditation works. Yeah, exactly. You can't think of the vision before it, you know, it's like naturally there. It should just be there. You shouldn't be like searching and frantic in your mind, like trying to figure out, oh, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? Mm-hmm. You know, he has to be like breathing in and then there's one vision. There it is. Right. So we'll see if he learns. We'll see. Boom, boom, boom. Um, all right, cool. How do we want to end? My falling moon is real. <laughs> okay. Sounds we could, like an Audrey Hepburn else. song or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we could say disengage. Paul says that over and over in this book. I've started saying that to myself, actually. Disengage. Disengage. Yes. Disengage. Disengage. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Until next time. Disengage. 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 Good enough. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> All right. Cool. Bye, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.